Good morning. Thank you, Peter and the singers. They always do a great job. Uh, Happy New Year again. It's nice to be here for our first service of the new year in uh, the Grand Vista up here in Simi Valley. It's always a blessing uh, to be together with you. Uh, Our projector is off. There it goes. Wow, that was weird. Okay, very cool. So uh, this year we are in a series entitled uh, Mission Love. We've kicking off the year in January with a series called Mission Love, but we know that this series is not just a series, right? Mission Love is really more a resolution. It's a resolution to love and to live like Jesus. It's a resolution we're making individually and collectively as a church. We also talked last week in our first lesson on Mission Love that it's got to be bathed in prayer. If anything, if Mission Love's going to go anywhere, it's got to begin, it's got to end, and it's got to everything, oh, I'm turned off. It's got to be begin and everything in between and in the middle, it's got to uh, be bathed in prayer. Today, we're going to talk about people. Mission Love is about people. Especially, or specifically, it's about loving people. So, like I did last week, I want to encourage some audience participation. So I've got a couple questions, and I'm going to ask you at different points in the message the questions, and I really would appreciate it, encourage you to stand up and just share your thoughts. Because I don't want to stand up here and speak authoritatively, although the scriptures are authoritative, but I do want to have some dialogue. I want to have a little bit of a more conversational tone to the series and to this message this morning. So it really helps if you'd be willing, think about it now, prepare yourselves now, if you'd be willing to be able to share when we ask a, a couple questions. I think it really helps us, kind of kind of uh, casualizes the service a little bit this morning and helps us connect a little bit better to the, to the teaching, to each other, and to our own personal place. So we're going to start in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. I'm going to pray before we begin. Father, thank you so very much for bringing us together this morning. Thank you for another year. God, I pray that your spirit is with us, that you infill us, empower us, and help us to really embrace mission love this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. John 13, verses 34 and 35. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love another one another. This is uh, a teaching Jesus gave near the end of his life. As a matter of fact, it was in the very last days of his life. Shortly after this, within a, a few hours, maybe a day, he was going to be arrested. He was going to be tried. He was going to be crucified. And so his ministry is coming to an end. He had spent the better part of three years with his 12 disciples zigzagging all over the land of Palestine. And here they are for the third time in their relationship in the city of Jerusalem celebrating Passover. Every year they would go and celebrate. This was an annual uh, 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 celebration. But this year there's a heaviness in the air. The environment is different. There's, there's a gravity to the, to the occasion. Jesus unexpectedly washes his disciples' feet before the dinner begins. He tells them that one of them 
is going to betray him. Another one of them is going to deny him. And it was in this context that Jesus commands them to love one another. Here's my first question. Why do you think Jesus felt the need to command them to love one another? Yes? Maybe because their own sin would cause them to turn against each other, be very critical of each other, and love covers a multitude of sins. So there's a, a chance for them to have some infighting and they would not get along, and so he wanted to make sure that they would love each other in spite of their flaws, their conflicts? Yes? Uh, sometimes I think, you know, we, we, we can be loving people, but our love can be conditional. And yeah. So, uh, you know, there's a, there's a line. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so he, he's calling them to a different love, not a conditional love, but a love like him, an unconditional one. Yes. Yeah. And as they disperse, he needs them to be together. Everything he's done, all the love, everything he's done for people means nothing if they don't get together. Yeah, so last hours, there's a weightiness, a gravity here. He wants to really impress upon them the importance of this concept. Uh, it will go nowhere unless he does that. Yes, unless they love each other. He was calling them to a genuine and authentic faith, not just a formality or a ritualistic faith. A couple more. Yeah, right here. I believe it's the mark of a disciple mm -hmm. of Christ, and that's how people um, can uh, be impacted by God is uh, loving one another like Jesus loved us. Yeah, it was an identifier. Like he wanted them to, this was what's going to set them apart. Newt. He wanted them to pass it on. So love was important. It was going to get passed on. Stuff. Um, I think it's, I look at it more as relational. Like he was the glue that held them all together. Mm. And so without him, would they all continue to stay together and love one another? Yeah. Or would they all just kind of disperse? Yeah, he was the common denominator. He kept them together. And if he's gone, what would they do? Right here, Monica. It's the, it's the underpinning of the, of the faith for him. Yeah. You know, plus one was about to betray him. Uh-huh. And, and then that could cause a lot of bitterness in regards to whatever happens, we need to just show love. Yes. There's going to be fallout, and we better make sure we're, we're loving towards one another. You know, uh, researchers say that the average person loses half of their close friendships every seven years. And that's normal, because of, you know, divorce, marriage, moving, job change, uh, you know, these things just happen. They're normal cycles to our life. And so we have friendships that actually are great, and then they change about every seven years. Not all of them, but 
about half of them. I'm sure you can relate to that, to this constant changing over the years. If you think through your life, you've probably had a couple of friends that have been there off and on through the whole time, but, but a lot of friends have sort of come and gone and you've made new friends. And so there's this, there's this attrition rate when it comes to friendship. We lose friends as we go through life. And if you're not good at making friends at the beginning, you know, the, the, the pool gets smaller and smaller, right? As a matter of fact, uh, some of you spoke to this, but the disciples were going to experience some radical changes in the coming years. Within about seven years, their friendships, the friendships of the 12, were going to radically change. One of them was going to die. The others were going to get scattered. So even the apostles themselves experienced this cycle of friendships. So I think Jesus in this command was not speaking directly to them only. He was not saying to the twelve, you need to stay best friends forever. Now I think that's great, and I'm sure they were friends for their lives. But, but the command was not, you have to have you know, a set number of friends and it can never change. You have to keep on to them and hold on to them for the rest of your life. That's not the command. If you look closely, the command is to love one another, to love others. That's the command that Jesus is putting in front of them. So when we talk about loving others, we're talking about a continual state, an ongoing process of, of opening ourselves up to others, of being loving towards others. If the 12 guys stayed best friends and only best friends, and that was it, his movement wouldn't have spread. People would not have said, wow, those Jesus people, they really love people. They would say, those Jesus people, they're a clique. <laughs> they're weird. They're inbred. So the command here is the state of continually loving others. No matter what changes we go through, what challenges we face, mission love is fundamentally about being open to loving others, to making new friends. It's a, it's a, what do you call it? It's an attitude. It's a disposition we have. We're open. We're receptive. We're inviting of new friends. Now, we're going to talk about what does it take to have this disposition and to make new friends. To, to, to be this kind of person that maintains this loving others disposition. But before we get there, I have another question. What makes loving others so difficult? Yeah. It hurts. It hurts. Yes, it does. Bonnie. It takes effort to love someone that's not like yourself. It takes effort. Carlos. Yeah, but by nature, we're self-centered, right? It makes it hard to love others. Yeah. I don't know if I said this, but just the, scare, the fear of getting hurt, so you close yourself off. Yes, you, you hide from people because it's, it's dangerous. You could get hurt, yes. Expectations. Expectations, meaning I'm assuming managing them or knowing what they are. You want to elaborate? Um, well, my, one of my favorite questions is expectations. <laughs> <laughs> expectations are future resentments, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Peter. A lot of times when we engage with someone, we go out, we're expecting something in return. Yes. Sometimes it's hard to give beyond that. And it, 
they don't come back with a nice type of return on yeah, there's a, there's a condition to friendship where it needs to be reciprocating, right? Or yeah, mutually beneficial, right? I had one other hand here. I, did I miss it? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, he said what you were going to say. Okay. Yeah, so, so we have these, these walls, these obstacles. I was thinking about the top three that popped into my head. You guys already mentioned them. Number one, it's uh, exhausting. Uh, you know, especially as you get older, you're like, I'm comfortable and I'm set. And now I got to open myself up to new people, new relationships. And it's just tiring because there's an investment there of time and energy and, and emotion and all that kind of stuff. Another one that came to my mind was I don't feel the need, speaking to Carlos's point, you know, we, as we get older, especially, we start to sort of settle down and we, necessar- we don't necessarily have the same need for it. And so Jesus is yet still pushing against that. He's saying, no, this is a command. And then lastly, of course, we've been hurt. You know, I, how many people have hurt us over the years? And so now we're much more guarded in, in uh, uh, embracing new people. Now, some of, some, some of those who might be younger may not totally relate to all these things because there is a time where we kind of expand. We, we're expansive in our relationship. The first part of our life, it's about expanding and acquiring, right? But the, the second part of our life, it starts to edit. And so there are different obstacles for different uh, stages of life. But regardless of all that, Jesus still makes it a command. It's a command. But wait a second, Jesus. I'm old. Love others. Wait a second, Jesus. I've been hurt. Love others. Wait a second, Jesus. I don't have the time. Love others. This is a command of God. And so the thing that jumps out at me is realizing that loving others is not about them. It's really about me. Can I maintain this position, this disposition? Can I work on myself enough to become the kind of person who can love others through the stages of life? I have a dear friend, many of you know, Ivan Stream great friend of mine. He was part of our ministry here for the past year. He, <clears throat> they live in Antelope Valley, so it's better for them to stay in the Antelope Valley and not have to commute down. So they're part of the church up there. They're doing great. They send their regards. But many years ago, I've known Ivan for many, many years. We were, he was single. I don't remember if I was, but it was a long time now, 20-something years maybe. And uh, we, we got along right away. We became friends, easy to get to know each other. He's a great guy. But some point in our friendship... Ivan began to call me every day. Let me say that again. He began to call me every day. Now, when I was 15 or 20, that's not so unusual, but I was older, and that, that was stressful. And I began to feel pressure. And you know, you start to get future expectations, you start to get future resentments, right? You start to build these things up. Like, why is he pursuing me? And this is, this, I mean, once a week, I mean, every day for crying out loud. <laughs> and I, I, I called him because I, I was, the pressure was coming because I wasn't always free every day. Or sometimes it was, I was kind of curt or, or short because I had to go and I was answering it in the middle of things. And I started to feel guilty. So I told him, Ivan, I'm, I, I can't do this. I can't, this is really hard for me. And he said, Joe, you could answer my call or not. You could be short with me or not. You could hang up and not talk to me. I will never hold it against you. 
How do you say no to a friendship like that? I mean, instantly, it just alleviated all the pressure, and then it, I wanted to reciprocate. And so for, I don't know, 15 years now, we talk every day, at least Monday through Fridays. Weekends get a little crazy, but every day. I know the time. I know, I know where I'm going to be, where he's going to be when he calls. I mean, it is as routine as the, you know, the sun rising in the morning. What does it take to love others? John 15, Jesus, this is the same conversation, by the way, that started in John 13 during the last hours of Jesus' life. I mean, he was pouring teaching out. In verse 12, he says, my command is this, love each other as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for his friends. What does it take to maintain a loving disposition towards others through the course of our life, through the various cycles of, of change and things that happen, what does it take? It takes self-denial. It's not about them. It's about you. It's not that they have to be perfect. It's not that they have to be all everything we want in a friend. I'm not saying that doesn't help, but it's not that. It's about you. If you make a move and you find yourself in another city, you gotta, you got to love others. you got to come to this place of self-denial. So mission love is not just a resolution to love and live like Jesus. It's a challenge to deny ourselves. Jesus goes on in verse 14, You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, <coughs> but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. So I learned from Ivan that loving others is... is is really a self-denial. It's, 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 it's an internal decision. It, you know, it's self-denial, but it's also a choice. It's a decision we make. And that's what Jesus says here. I chose you. You didn't choose me. In many ways, Ivan chose me to be his friend. And I, I really couldn't resist. And so mission love is a resolution. It's a challenge, but it's also a choice. It's a decision we make. To love others. Every time you choose to push past tiredness, to push past being other-centered, meeting someone else's need, to push past being hurt and forgiving and re-engaging, every time you choose to do that, you are loving and living like Jesus. You are fulfilling Mission, love. But here's what's really cool. In verse 15, Jesus says, I'm sorry, in verse 16, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. So mission, love. Resolution, challenge, choice. It's also... A blessing. There is fruit to be born 
and to be enjoyed in mission love. There's a reward in loving and living like Jesus. And it's not just the future reward of, okay, great, I'm going to heaven or I'm right with God or whatever. There's a reward right now today. What are some of the rewards? Last question. What are some of the rewards you could see happening as a result of mission love, of loving someone else, choosing them, denying yourself, honoring the command of God? What are some of the rewards? Yes. Peace of mind. Peace of mind. That's a great reward. Yes. Joy. Joy. Great reward. Better and closer friendships. Better and closer friendships. Yeah, the, the, the tide rises and floats all the boats, right? Everybody benefits from it. That's a great analogy. I like that. Yeah. Fulfillment. Fulfillment. A support system. So this middle and side, you guys are on there. You're, you're there. Mission love. I don't see any hands over here, but you guys, you guys are doing great. Yes. Wow. Wow. Yeah, there's there's a reward, there is a cost. So I was trying to stay positive, but thank you. No, it's awesome. Oh. Juliet, thank you. No, and that's very genuine and, and very meaningful. Yes. Freedom. There's freedom in it. John. Yeah. 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 Gerardo. I think it also connects us to, you know, many of us have been disciples for many years who are Christians, you know, that we see in Acts, you know, Matthew 28. But also, it, it connects with the purpose of your heart, you know, when you, you're driven by helping others transform their lives. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that that will create longevity. Yeah. So the reward is ongoing. It doesn't just sort of, it's not a one-time thing. It's an ongoing, and it benefits a lot of people. Last one. Oh, two more. Right here. I noticed, like, me, like, I get closer to God. <laughs> you get closer to God. Isn't that funny? You're more like Jesus. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It follows you into eternity. There is an eternal element going on here. Yeah. All of those things. I mean, we could go on and on. Now, I'm going to tell a story about my life, and I want you to not so much listen to my story, but I want you to think about your story. I want you to think about someone in your life who, uh, you know, whatever the case is, maybe it's a long time, because, you know, uh, you may have friends that are, span a lifetime, or you may have friends that are in cycles. You know, I, I understand that that happens. But I want you to think about a friend, and I want you to think about maybe a specific person that you've mutually benefited from, that, that it's, really, it's really been a reward to you to have them in your life. I know you have one if you spend the time to think about it. If you don't have a recent example, then the challenge is for you. Mission love is relevant right here and right now, just like it was to the disciples then. But I want you to think, because I'm going to tell you a story about a dear friend of mine, Mayan Spaccarelli. We all know Mayan. Mayan was not the perfect polished guy that he is today. He's not here, so I can talk about him. 
but I've known Mayan since junior high school. We weren't friends. He's actually a year or two younger than me. I knew his family. His brother was in my class. His sister was a little older than me. And so I knew who they were. And, uh, you know, but over the years after high school, he went off. I went to college. He did his thing. Well, he went to college in San Diego and then dropped out, got into business and moved back to LA. And about that same time in our early 20s, I was in my early 20s, I got invited to the church, became a disciple, a member of the church. And lo and behold, Mayan's mom, Carol, was a member of the church. And she immediately found me because, you know, we knew each other. And she said, hey, remember Mayan? He's moving back up. Go reach out to him. And if you know Carol, that's pretty normal conversation. She, she'll tell you what to do. <clears throat> so I said, sure. And I started to spend time with Mayan. And I, Mayan and I got along great because we, we had similar things. Like he, he had trucks and he raced cars and, you know, uh, he, he was comfortable in that environment. And I love that environment. And I was comfortable in that environment. And so we spent a lot of late nights together and hanging out. And we just built a friendship. And over time, we became very close friends. He became a member of the church. And, and, and ever since then, we have always been in each other's lives. There's been times where sort of our, our orbits have, have been a little distant, but for the most part, they've always, they've always been involved in each other's lives. And I can tell you right now that Mayan would say the same thing about me that I'm going to say about him. I would not be the same person without his influence in my life. He's been such a tremendous influence in my life in a positive, spiritual, blessing rewarding kind of way. He went on to be pretty successful. And because of his success, he was able to be a blessing to the whole church. The church went through some rough times a few years ago, and Mayan helped keep the church afloat. I shouldn't have said that because it's confidential, but I'm telling you, keep it a secret. <laughs> he doesn't brag about that. But I just want you to know the truth. This is not to, you know, everybody be you and awe, but he's still a guy and has his flaws and all that. And most of you know that stuff. But, but the idea is, is man, he was so, th that relationship bloomed into an incredibly rewarding friendship for me and the people around me, the church, in a lot of different ways. And now we're leading Simi Church. And he's been incredibly helpful to me and helping me get better at what I do and be a better leader and a better minister and organizer and all that kind of stuff. I wouldn't be the same person. He wouldn't be the same person. I know you have someone in your life that's been that kind of a relationship. And if you don't have it right now, mission love. Now's the time. Because it's a blessing. It's a resolution. It's a challenge. It's a decision, a choice. And it is a blessing. So I want to charge us as a church to give ourselves fully in 2018 to mission love. It's in line with the commands. It's where Jesus wants us to go. It's who I think a lot of us want to be. It's not going to be without challenge or difficulty. But, but boy, the blessing is worth it. I'm going to close this out in a slightly unusual way. So I'm going to ask the ushers to pass out the cards that I gave them. Everybody gets a card. I'll wait till you guys get your cards so you can look at them first. You've seen them before. These are the same cards that we gave out at the church banquet. And I realized that that was probably the worst place to give these cards out at. But get a card. I find 
that in order to be successful, in order to uh, accomplish something, it helps to put some tangible things down on paper. This is not a covenant. We're not, you're not going to sign this in blood. You're not even going to turn this in. Okay? I'm not asking for this. This is for you. This isn't for me. This is for you. It's, it's for me personally, but I don't want this from you. I, this is for you. Okay? That's the heart here. But the idea is, is to give you a, a, maybe a tool to help you sort of specify, narrow your focus for 2018 and mission love. The first thing it says is, my mission love is, and there's some lines there to write, and you could have several, you could have one or two, you know, it's up to you. But there's things on here where you could decide what or who your mission love is going to be about. Some people, they may, they may feel like homelessness is where my mission love needs to be. Maybe the Spirit is calling you there. I'm not trying to put you in a box or say that the Spirit's only pointing you in one direction, because the Spirit's in all of us. If you're a faithful believer of Jesus Christ, the Spirit is with you, and the Spirit's going to call you, and it's going to lead you in the way that it goes. So you've got to think that through. What's on your heart? What is it that you want to do for the people around you? It could be a specific person, could be a group of people. Maybe it's homelessness. And, and you could put that down there. My mission, love, is homelessness. And then, and then this year, you devote that to prayer, you bathe it in prayer, and you, you let God lead you, and where are you going to go, and what's that going to look like? And maybe by the end of the year, you've started a new program that's helping homeless people. How incredible would that be? Or maybe for you, you want to serve in some capacity in the church. Maybe for you, mission love is I want to be, I'm going to invest myself in kids' kingdom. I got little ones and I, you know, and I can see the benefit of it. Or I'm, I, I don't have kids and I'm not stressed out anymore and I'm happy to get in there and, and help out those little kids. Or these parents don't know what they're doing, so I need to get involved and get their kids in I don't care what the, what the spirit tells you. But maybe that's your mission, love, is I'm going to serve in a capacity in the church, kids' kingdom, whatever it may be, family group leadership, something like that, and, and put it down. Maybe for you it's a specific thing. Maybe it's a couple of people, some people in your life, your kids, a next-door neighbor, a best friend that's not faithful. Put them down. For me, one of them, I have a couple, but one of them, my wife and I have talked about this, and I just want you to know, is we want to love your families. Now, when we say that, we mean your families who visit church. We, we love you, and we love your families. But when you have a family member come to church, my wife and I want to take extra time to, to welcome them, to, to hug them, to encourage them, to invite them in. We would love, if they live around here, to get coffee with them, take them out, get to know them. We want to love your families. It's so great when you bring family to church. That's one of ours. I have a few others, but that's an example. So my mission, love, is. That's for you. The second thing on here is my decision about giving is. Now, I want you to know something. I didn't mention giving at all in the service today. I didn't mention it last week. We haven't even talked about it in a while. And that's by design. Because without love, giving is irrelevant. Giving is an act of love. It's something that comes out of you because of your love. Your love for God, your love for His church, your love to see, to see it grow, etc. Your love for others. And so we first start with love. But I do think there's a time at the beginning of every year where we should think about what is our giving going to look like in the coming year? What decisions am I going to make about my giving? Many of you know, but if you don't, I want to tell you, we have an amazing financial committee. 
These are volunteer brothers uh, and, and a sister, I think. I can't remember now who's all on it, but there's like four or five of us. And we get together every, every quarter or so, and they go through our finances and check it out, and then they tell me everything I did wrong. No, I'm kidding. But they, uh, th th actually, we're doing great. We are. We're doing great. But they're on it, and they keep track of it, and I don't have to, and it's so much, it's so much better to have a little bit of a separation between me and that. But, you know, that committee, we call it the RFAC, Regional Financial Committee, what they, what they have told me was they told me that according to the numbers, based on the metrics, if we were to grow our membership, I'm not talking about just baptism, I mean overall membership. If we were to grow our membership by 15%, and we were to do that and, and grow our budget by 15% at the same time, so we would increase our overall giving by 15%, we would increase our overall membership by 15%, if we were to do that, we would become self-sufficient as a church. We would not need to be supported by the Valley Church. That's awesome. They put that on my heart. That's not me telling you. That's them telling me and me going, really? That's incredible. You mean we could in a year or two, if, we, if, if God blesses us and we give our hearts wholeheartedly to this, we could be not a receiving church, but a giving church? A church that could do its own programs, its own projects, hire its own ministers and grow? And reap the blessings and the rewards of that? That's incredible. So I think giving is important. So there's checkboxes there to give online. We have found that there's an absolute correlation between giving and consistent giving and giving online. And so we're trying to make it easy. You go to our website, click on give, you sign up, get a little account. It's really quick and easy to do. Then you can set a reoccurring amount and then every week it gives. And you can, during our, our communion time, we put the slide up there to remind you that that's the time we give, and you can be reminded of that. If you like to feel the gift, you can set up the, so you can text it in. So every Sunday you can text it in. Of course, you can always give in the basket. But, but what we want to encourage is consistent giving. And there's a, there's a direct correlation between signing up, doing it online, and doing it uh, as opposed to just trying to remember each week. Maybe you're not tithing. That means give 10%. Of, of your income. Maybe you're not doing that. Maybe this is the year you, you challenge yourself to make that a goal and, and push yourself to accomplish that. Maybe you're giving generously already and you're just going to continue to do that. That's totally fine. The point is, is it is part of what we do. It is part of our act of love. Our love for God, our love for one another, our love for the world around us. And then lastly on the card, there's my family group is. I want to ask a favor. I don't think they're all here, but all those, those who have volunteered to make one of their points of mission love this year to lead a family group, I want you to stand for a second, and I'd like to give you a round of applause. <clears throat> stay up, stay standing, stay standing. Thank you for doing that. Stay standing for a second, stay standing for a second. Thank you, stay standing, go ahead, John. Stay, um, I, there's a couple missing, I think, but... But thank you for doing that. But the reason why I want you to stand is I want everyone to see you because if, if you're not in a group yet, I want you to think about becoming a part of a family group. In our church, we have small groups. We call them family groups. And they meet twice a month. That's it. Twice a month on Wednesday night for about an hour and a half. They're in the home. We do three things. We read the Bible. We talk about the Bible. And we pray. And we have some great fellowship. That, that's, that's it. You guys can sit down. If you're not a part of a group, this is something we want you to have. 
It's a huge component of your Christian walk. It's something we're offering for you. We're not trying to make you. I'm not trying to force you. As a matter of fact, if you're not ready for a group, that's totally okay. There's no judgment. Not everybody's ready for a group. Sometimes work changes, life situations come up, and it's just not the right time. That's totally okay. But if you want a group and you want to be connected to a group, I want you to put the name down of the, of the person, you know, the group that you want to be a part of. You might put two down because not every group might fit, and that's okay. I don't want you to be hurt if, if one group doesn't work out. There's, a, there's always another group, okay? But then I want you sometime today, next this week, to approach the leader and say, hey, I'm interested. Tell me about your group. Where do you meet? What's the details? And get yourself plugged in. That's where we love each other, where we support each other, where we build relationship and history and friendship with one another. We've even gone so far as to say that our schedule as a church for the year has been completely revamped. We are not going to do church midweek on Wednesday night at the same time that we do family group. So for the first semester of family group, which is going to begin February and go through, I think it's May, there's no church midweek. It's just family group every other week or twice a month. Then in the summer, because we want to be nice to the family group leaders, we're going to give them the summers off, and then we'll have church midweek for the summer, a couple months in the summer, same time, Wednesdays. And then in the fall, the family groups will start back up again, and we won't have church midweek. The point is to streamline our, our, our schedule, but to elevate our commitment. We want to reduce the burden, but elevate the commitment. And then what happens is all those other weeks, all those weeks where there's nothing going on, it used to be midweek, family group, midweek, family group every week. Instead of doing that, the weeks where there's, there's nothing, what a great time to push for mission love. What a great time to spend that time with your kid or your neighbor or the person or the project you're working on, whatever your mission love is. So that's how far we've gone to make this work. It's how much we value the interconnectivity we get from each other. The last thing I'm going to say is, and this was my idea, so you're allowed to blame me. Don't be mad at your family group leader. I asked them, they may not do it, but I asked them to create, oh, I created for them and gave to them what I call a participation agreement. I purposely didn't call it a covenant. I purposely didn't call it a promise because I don't want anybody to think we're trying to, you know, cut your hand and get your blood or anything. We're not trying to make some sort of unique vow before God that we're going to be held accountable on Judgment Day. This is an agreement. But the agreement is, is when the group meets on the first time they meet, I want, I want you to read the agreement together. You can modify it. You can change it. You can talk about it. You can throw it out. But I would prefer that you actually all sign it. Keep it on your fridge. You know, you know I'm not going to collect it. Keep it on your fridge. But really, it's an agreement to be committed to the group. Because nothing discourages a group more than when people just flake and flake and flake. Someone spends all day getting some snacks ready, getting their house cleaned, and they're expecting five, six people to come over, and one shows up. It's discouraging. And it's, it's not loving. And it's not living and loving like Christ. And so if you can't make the commitment, that's okay. The group's not for you at this time, and that's okay. But if you can make the commitment, we're asking you to commit to the commitment, to, to, to agree to it. And I believe if we would just do these two things, 
If we would just, I'm sorry, these three things, if we would just focus on these three things this year, I believe mission love is going to go. It's going to take off. It's going to be incredible. And we're going to look back next year at the end of the year at our banquet, and we're going to celebrate all the glorious things that God has done in our lives in 2018. Won't be without challenge, but it will be glorious. And we will be blessed. Thank you so much for giving me your attention. Thank you so much for being here this morning. At this time, I'm going to say a prayer. We're going to be closed out. You'll be free to fellowship. Let's go to God in prayer. God, thank you so very much for loving us the way that you do, for doing all the things that we talked about here, loving us and then calling us to love like you loved. Help us in 2018 to be resolved, to face the challenges, to make the choice, and to reap the reward of mission love, of loving and living like you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed.